How's it going, everybody? NHL Fantasy on Ice back with you. Unprecedented times, Robbie, with everything going on with the coronavirus. But really good to be back on with you. Miss doing the show with you, man. Likewise, Pete. Hope you're holding up well and everybody listening. Same goes for them, too. But um, yeah, Pete, we, we still get questions on Twitter. We still get people asking us what's going on with fantasy. So I'll let you take it away and uh, share a little update. Yeah, for sure. And we've been keeping the coverage going. Everybody should check out every single day. We got new content going on NHL.com slash fantasy. Of course, this is our first podcast in what, two or three weeks with no games going on. It's Monday, March 30th. We're almost into April. Sounds like this thing's going to be going on for the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, we wish everybody well. Uh, We hope everybody's been staying at home and doing the social distancing thing and you know we encourage you to keep reading our stuff reflect on the season that was right it's been an incredible season we love doing the show for you guys and uh yeah Robbie we've been doing these uh team by team recaps big surprises everything like that right yeah definitely still a lot of content for us to create and I think one of the main things uh at least on Twitter Pete lately has been you know hey if the season does pick back up uh, and for fantasy wise, you know, what kind of guys might be coming back from injuries here. So we compiled a list available on NHL.com for you guys to see that. But why don't we kick it off, Pete, with maybe one of the biggest names on that list, which would be Jake Gensel, who was a little positive update from the Penguins recently. Yeah, shoulder surgery seems to be going well for Gensel. And of course, uh, with all the time that Crosby has missed because of injury, we know that Uh, You know, Malkin and Rust have kind of been a thing together, being an elite duo this season. But imagine if that team can get Jake Gensel playing on a separate line with Sidney Crosby, like he's performed at an elite level right in the past. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he covers all different types of categories, whether the regular season resumes or we go straight to the playoffs. I mean, the Penguins could be a dynamic, very tough out uh, come uh, the postseason. I think that's a great point. You know, even if this thing does go straight into the postseason, it's going to be a wild one because all these guys, or at least most of them, are going to come back from injuries. And another one that I had my eye on, Pete, was Dougie Hamilton from the Carolina Hurricanes. And we just updated the D-ranks recently, and I put yep. Hamilton at number two overall. I know that that's high. I know it's aggressive. But you know, think back to early in the season. Dougie Hamilton was scoring, it seems like, almost every other game. He was assisting. He was on the top power play unit that was so, so, so good for Carolina. And then you see when he went out of the lineup, just how much that team kind of took a hit all around fantasy value. So I don't think two is too high for Dougie. Do you? Putting him ahead of Roman Yossi is definitely bold, but that's you made a great point. I mean, that's where Hamilton was when he was injured. He was number two right behind John Carlson. So I think it's totally justified, even though Hamilton has been, you know, a 15, 20 goal scorer in years past this current season. He was on an even better goal scoring pace than that. He was covering all the categories. Someone actually, I think, reached out to us and said, uh, how was he the biggest surprise on the Hurricanes? You know how? He was drafted like 80 overall and 16th among defensemen, and he was number two before his injury, which has been a long-term injury, granted. But yeah, Hamilton has had an amazing season. And to me, like the Hurricanes, you know how far they went last season, right? They Mm -hmm. went to the conference final. And all of a sudden, they go from fringe playoff team to maybe getting Dougie Hamilton back and their trade deadline acquisition, Sammy Votnin, back after the pause. So that could be a crazy development, too. 
And that's where the rationale came in with putting him at second. I know Yossi has been amazing for Nashville, but when you look at the Predators as a whole, I think, you know, even when their season, if their season resumes, it's they just don't have the weapons. They don't have that high-end skill that Carolina does possess. And I think that's when, in fantasy at least, if you're, if you're contemplating adding a guy like Dougie right now, who could come back. I mean, it's really a no-brainer. And, and I made that move in a fantasy league, Pete. Um, I was down four to three in a week-to-week matchup. And uh, I had McKinnon on the shelf at the time because he was banged up. And then uh, I added Dougie Hamilton too. I know it kind of feels like a shark, you know, almost like a cheat move. But hey, I mean, if they're available, I say do it. Yeah, unless your league has locked uh, add and drops, uh, you got to play the cards you're dealt and you have to try to make the moves that... If and when this thing resumes, uh, you could be in the best position to finish your league or playoff bracket strong. Uh, back to Gensel, I mean, we slotted him into the top 25 forwards, right around guys, right around fellow injured guys like Mark Stone and Miko Rantanen, and right ahead of guys like Patrick Laine and some of the Jets forwards who have been very good. So we still believe in Jake Gensel uh, with his strong category coverage and um I mean, in terms of the Penguins, it's it's going to be an uphill battle whenever this thing uh, resumes. I think that uh, they can stack up with the best teams in the Metro, whether it's Philly or, of course, Washington. I still trust them in a series uh, to at least hang around against either of those two teams, to be honest. Oh, no doubt. You, you can't bet against that team. I mean, even after their disappointing loss to the Islanders in the sweep last season, I know you and I talked mm-hmm. about it. I still can't imagine picking against that team in a playoff pool. But for Gensel specifically, I know that shoulder injuries, there's generally a lingering concern that, oh, you know, is the goal scoring going to be the same right away? Might it take time? And I think the best thing about Gensel is that he passes so well, too. I mean, and look at his line mate, Crosby. I mean, Crosby can score a lot of goals. So I think that, you know, when you look at a player like Gensel and you're evaluating that injury return, I think those kind of concerns roll away. Now, a guy like Tarasenko, on the other hand, who's mostly a goal scorer, I think that's where, and who has a history of shoulder injuries, I think that's where I'd be a little bit more apprehensive about seeing instant production, where I don't feel that same concern for Gensel. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. They both, I think, had sol- shoulder surgery. So I, like, I don't know uh, how good either is going to be, how 100% either one's going to be. But I think one team that really has a chance uh, to do big things if and when this thing resumes is the Colorado Avalanche, right? With all their guys, they got like four or five guys who were injured prior to the pause from McKinnon, Rantanen, Grubauer, Burakovsky, who's having a career year, and Nazem Kadri, a guy that a lot of people forget about. I mean, the Avalanche were already, what, number two or three in the Western Conference. And if they get all those guys back after surviving this tough stretch, I mean, my goodness, they might be able to win the whole thing. I mean, and when's the last time we saw a consistent stretch with their healthy forward lines? We really haven't. I mean, and it's been their forwards. It's either the top line missing Randon or Landeskog, or it's the second line missing Kadri or potentially Burakovsky. Yep. So, I mean, the fact that we haven't even really seen that team play a chunk of time, form the chemistry, and get to firing on all cylinders is scary. I mean, any type of future prop bet for playoff implications involving the Avalanche, I would say hammer job. I agree. I think uh, we have, yeah, we haven't even seen since, uh, you know, since they traded for Nemesnikov. Uh, he's been playing mostly on the top line lately. I mean, we haven't really seen McKinnon and Ranton and look like the elite duo that they were last season. I mean, this was maybe the best duo in the entire NHL last year. So 
if you're looking at a top six of like Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, if they do the stack job that they usually do, and then maybe a second line of Burakovsky, Kadri, and either Donskoy or Nemesnikov, I mean, that's pretty darn good. That stacks up with the best top sixes uh, in the entire league. So that's a hu- that would be a huge development for them. And I just need to say, Nathan McKinnon, you cannot say enough <laughs> good things about this player. He's ranked number two in Yahoo season to date. His shots Nuts. on goal lead the <laughs> NHL. He's scoring at will. He's assisting at will. He's racking up power play points. I think, Pete, moving forward for next season drafts, and following, you look at this Avs team and you look at Mac. If you've got the number two pick or number three pick in the draft, I think you'd be crazy to pass a player like that up, even at center only. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he you could take him over Connor McDavid and not not lose any sleep about it. I mean, clearly the, the top echelon of players for next season or this season, whenever it resumes, we got Pasternak at number one. We got the two Oilers guys. And then, of course, McKinnon is in that conversation as well, assuming he's back uh, fully healthy from that. What, what was it? A lower body injury mm-hmm. right before the break. He only missed a game or two. But, yeah, he's right in that conversation. And we've also been doing some really good polls on NHL.com slash fantasy and the NHL fantasy social handles. You know, we're on Instagram, Facebook and, of course, Twitter, if you're not aware already. So follow us on there. Join in the conversation. One of the polls we did so far, and we've already mentioned two of these guys in terms of being the most valuable player to his own team. We had McKinnon in there. He won the poll. Uh, Roman Yossi people were pushing for because he leads their full uh, skater group in points by like 15 or 20. There's also Jack Eichel in that conversation. Anze Kopitar. Which way do you lean? I know you were already uh, hyping up McKinnon, but does Eichel have a case here? Eichel certainly does have a case. I think you just look at the whole team in general surrounding Eichel, and that's where the argument for him just skyrockets to the top. But I think it's still Mac. I mean, when you look at this team's injuries, and and I know you could go back to almost any podcast we recorded during the regular season, and there's a bunch of them. Click on a random episode, and granted, we're probably talking about the avalanche injury concerns on that episode. There were just so many this season, and the one player, it didn't matter the line mates, it didn't matter the power play. Mac was producing night in and night out, multi-point games, multi-shot games. I just don't think that there was better value at any position this year than McKinnon. And granted, he was a top 10 pick on average, and that says a lot. Yeah, that has to count for something when you, uh, you know, because so many factors work for or against you throughout a long season. McKinnon couldn't control any of that. And if he slipped to, say, a 20, top 25 overall player, nobody would have really knocked him with everything that was going on. But the fact that he's still whatever number two is just absolutely insane and uh, a token of appreciation for this player is well-deserved for sure. Um, Back to some other teams that could benefit from injury returns uh, coming after the pause, uh, assuming we have games. There's Steven Stamkos, there's Chris Kreider. One, I think, underrated one is Jacob Markstrom with the Canucks. I mean, you look at that team before and after his injury, it was pretty much one of those night and day situations. Markstrom, clearly their most valuable player this year in terms of team real life value. And I think that that team could do some damage in the Pacific if he comes back. Absolutely. I mean, they were getting their doors blown off when Markstrom was out of the lineup. Really, it seemed like nothing they could do. And I think yep. similar to you know the West and, and the East, you have the Rangers, who you mentioned, Chris Kreider. 
both of those teams, the Rangers and the Canucks, are right outside that playoff picture. I mean, we're talking fractions of points here. It would only take a couple of those games for them to be in. And both of those players, Kreider and Markstrom, I think almost present equal value to those clubs. We saw Kreider fantasy value-wise was incredible for hits, goals, assists, and really had the top six thriving. Um, really right. hard to shut down either the top line or the second line when Chris Kreider was in the lineup. And then with Markstrom, you mentioned it. I mean, that team, when he was out of the lineup, was real, real bad. They were struggling. I know they they won a game most recently, lately, but still, you know, overall, that team took a big hit when he was out of the lineup. So I think those are two guys you look at and you say, hey, those are two maybe MVP caliber guys, sort of. For Kreider, it's mm-hmm. secondary to Panarin and but I think those intangibles, like the way he hits, the way he controls physicality, really makes the Rangers play a different way. And you think, hey, if he comes back, that team could be in the playoffs. Same thing with uh, with Markstrom. If he comes back, I really like Vancouver in the West. I like them preseason as well. But, you know, you have to worry now at this point in the season, especially with the pause. You know, that might just not be likely. And, hey, if they, you know, they're going to have to look at next season if that happens. Yeah, I mean, I think Kreider is the one guy that, like, it's amazing. Like, didn't Zibanejad have the five-goal game without him? Like, without mm-hmm. his best line mate? I mean, that is just insane. And if he comes back, I mean, I know you were mentioning how they're a fringe team right now. Like I was looking at the standings. If they went by, say, points percentage, the Rangers would be just out. And if they went by the current standings, they might be just in. It might come down to some technicality. They might also let a few more teams in. It remains to be seen what the format would be if and when the season resumes. But in terms of Kreider coming back, like the Rangers from a fantasy lens, from a playoff pool lens... Like that is the most underrated team that could do some damage. That's near the top of the list of teams that I would not want to play against if and when Kreider comes back. I think we could agree that that would be the scariest eight seed in the East or the West yeah. straight up. <laughs> I mean, that is a team that with Panarin, Zibanejad doing crazy things, you do not want to play. Now, I, <clears throat> you have to say Shesterkin for the Rangers on the back end, another player that when he was right. healthy, that team looked near unbeatable. So I think I would give the edge to the Rangers in any sort of playoff pool if you're looking at wild cards. Um, and then the next team, Pete, I did want to mention here was the Vegas Golden Knights. Kind of had an up-and-down regular season with the mm-hmm. coaching change. Really did flash brilliance at times. And then that laner trade looked to have them solidify a top goaltending duo in the West. But two key injuries there, Pete. Ma- uh, Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty will probably come back healthy, 100% ready to go if the season resumes. How do you view those guys in the forward landscape? I view Vegas the same that we both did, I think, at the beginning of the season, that they're capable of winning the whole thing, that they uh, have one of the better top lines in the league, whether it's Stone Pacioretty and Stevenson or Stone Pacioretty and Stasny or even William Carlson like it was before uh, the injury to Stone, who was week to week, and then Pacioretty, who was week to week, just days Mm -hmm. before the pause. So, yeah, those did not seem like long-term deals at the time in terms of the injury timetable, and you can bet for sure that uh, those two will be back uh, whenever the Golden Knights play their next game, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But, yeah, Vegas is a team that I just trust their roster makeup. The coaching change was a little polarizing. I still can't really believe that that happened because the team was never really playing that poorly uh but yeah vegas is a team that i've trusted i know you had them in the cup final uh, from the preseason which speaks volumes about how much you like that team as well 
Isn't it crazy that Chandler Stevenson leads them in plus minus? Yeah, we had him as biggest surprise uh, when we did our Vegas recap. I don't think that's posted yet, but yeah, a little spoiler there. We have uh, a nice stat for you there, right, about uh, Stevenson. Nobody expected that guy to be fantasy relevant, and he leads the team in plus minus ahead of even Pacioretty. So, and Pacioretty, I mean, what this guy has done prior to his injury, it was just that one, a couple games or so. I mean, he's a top 10 overall fantasy player with elite category coverage. Of course, he covers hits. So, Pacioretty, I don't think many people realize, unless maybe you have him on your roster, this guy's been a top 10 overall fantasy player. I think it's the best season of Pacioretty's career when you look back. I mean, he had some great years in Montreal, but this one really stands out to me as the pinnacle year. And his shooting percentage is a little bit lower than his career average, too. So that maybe makes you think that he could have a couple more goals. He's already got 32 in 71 games. But I think when you look at most complete fantasy players, Pacioretty is in that dialogue, certainly at a very scarce left-wing position. So you can't say enough good things about the player. And then I'll just say this about Mark Stone, too. You know, those those line combinations in Vegas, I think, were a little bit more inconsistent than you and I probably thought they would have been this year, Pete. Yeah. But 63 points in 65 games for Mark Stone, that's no slouch. And, and Pete, I'm just going to say this now. That team might make light work out of the playoffs if the seeding <laughs> is, is the way I think it's going to be. And they're a team that has not really quite peaked this season. So maybe give them a clean slate. Everybody's healthy. Uh, they're just in a higher caliber. We view them as such. So, And then Pacioretty is also in that conversation. If you look at the best category coverage assets in the entire league, I know we did a poll like who's your favorite guy to own for elite category coverage. Of course, Ovechkin is the obvious one, but there have been so many great stories this year from Pacioretty, JT Miller, a guy I know that you pegged as a sleeper early in the season and has returned immense value. Brady Kachuk for one of the worst teams in the league with his coverage of hits and shots. And Tom Wilson, another one of your guys uh, that you've been in his corner all year, you know, all, all along, really. And the funny thing about each one of those players you just mentioned, you could get them in different rounds. So you're, you're theoretically, you could be looking at a fantasy team with each of those names on yeah. it. And it's probably that trend's <laughs> probably going to carry over to next year because Kachuk is on the Senators, kind of a sleeper team. Tom Wilson, nobody really loves to draft a player like that. Pacioretty will probably go higher than he did this year. But nonetheless, I mean, you could probably come away with rounds one through eight totally stacked with each one of those names. And then you're at this time of year, you're cleaning up in fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you could have gotten all the you could have drafted Ovechkin in the first round, Wilson in five through ten, Kachuk outside ten, JT Miller in one of the last rounds. Even Pacioretty, I think, was going what in the eighties or nineties because mm-hmm. he was kind of uh relatively unknown in terms of how high his ceiling could be uh, with his new team for his second season. But yeah, anyway, there have been a couple others. There's been Andre Palat has been a top 50 overall player. And uh, yeah, that's just a fun kind of storyline to reflect on because you look at your team MVPs in your fantasy leagues. And I know we have a couple of those guys in our leagues and it's, you know, as much as we can't spin much forward because we don't know when the games are going to resume Uh, It's a fun exercise, and it's gotten some great fan engagement as well on Twitter with these polls just to to reflect back on the season that's been and all the things that have caught us by surprise and also some things that we've expected, you know, from the beginning. 
and I think it's nice kind of a learning exercise too, because you, you kind of realize what the most important thing in fantasy is and in time and time again, it always comes back to category coverage. So just let mm -hmm. that be a little nugget for the drafts moving forward. Now let's get to some fan questions here. We have a question from sports is life on Twitter. Hey guys, quick question. If, and when the season continues, I need to pick four choose between Chris Kreider, Robert Thomas, Nazem Kadri, Rupi Hintz, Mikhail Backlund, or Nick Suzuki, goals and assists only, thanks. Well, I think Kreider is the, the slam dunk, obviously, and Kadri is as well. I mean, Kadri is a guy, if and when this thing resumes, is a must-own player in any format because of his coverage. He has 30-goal potential in any given season. We know that. He covers hits as well as any center-only player in the whole league. And then, uh, you know, to round out that question, I mean, Michael Backlund has been one of the best waiver wire pickups of the season. He plays with Matthew Kachuk, so I really like him. And then for the fourth one, I thought it was a toss-up, man. You know I'm a Rupe Hints fan, but uh, I think uh, Nick Suzuki has been a great surprise for Montreal. And as much as that team doesn't really know where it's headed, I mean, that guy can take them places uh, in the seasons to come. He's probably their best futures asset, uh, Nick Suzuki from Montreal. I agree with the with the list that you chose. I would say my concern about Robert Thomas would be Tarasenko coming back. Yeah. And maybe him getting bumped out of that top six. That that would be my main concern there. It's nothing against the player. I like Robert Thomas a lot, but he's probably mostly a third line guy with Sanford and Kairou moving forward. And then for Rupi Hints, I mean it's just kind of the same story. Dallas just doesn't have enough secondary scoring for me to really say that player jumps off the paper at me. I'd rather have a little bit more upside with Suzuki, even on Montreal, who, you know, granted, they're not a high-flying offensive-powered team, but they have some sneaky scoring. And then Backlund, I mean, that is the player on this list that does jump out to me. He was mm -hmm. on fire before the season pause, one of the best waiver wire ads, and especially with Monaghan and Gaudreau not living up to expectations that this year. I think that's a major underrated storyline if and when the season resumes too, Pete. Yeah, Calgary was definitely starting to show us something uh, near the tail end of the season uh, before the pause. Uh, back to Dallas, I mean, this is a team that you really have to wonder about fantasy-wise moving forward. I know they had the midseason coaching change, but this team I was looking like, Jamie Benn doesn't even have 40 points this year. They only have one player, one skater with 40-plus points. I mean, that is really eye-opening for the wrong reasons. You know, they have Gurianov, who has 20 goals. He's been a great story. Hintz even has 19 goals. He's tied for second on their team. But, like, you wonder about that way they play. And I even wonder if they can win the Stanley Cup this year when things resume, hopefully. Uh, I just don't know if they have the offense to hang with some of these other teams. The good news for Dallas is they have the defense to shut just about anybody down and the goaltending to do that. True. But in terms of fantasy value, I mean, you've got to look at this team next year in your drafts and think, when am I even comfortable taking their top scorer in Tyler Sagan? I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see him go outside the top 50, top 60 even next year. I mean, when you, you know, people, he fell in drafts this year around 30 to 40 even. I just don't think there's value there. I mean, you look at this team, they're going to need prospects to come up and absolutely light it up or do something in the offseason that really helps these guys. Because, you know, Joe Pavelski was playing a little bit better lately, but it just wasn't enough. Same thing with Corey Perry, the trial he got on the top line, just not enough. So, you know, going back to the Stanley Cup playoffs, I do think that that team could win low-scoring games, 
they could get a couple goals on the power play where all five of those guys would look pretty good together. But man, oh man, in a seven game series against a team like Colorado, yeah. I just, I would have a hard time picking Dallas there. I agree with that. And uh, another guy from that team is Radulov. You look at it, only 34 points in 60 games. You just, you exp- I know he missed some time because of injury, but really didn't miss that much time considering uh, the top teams in the league have only played, you know, what, 70, 71 games. So uh, he's missed about 10 and his production has tailed off considerably. Hasn't been playing on the top line as much. That's a guy like in a keeper league that I really wonder about his value moving forward. What do you think about Radulov just in general? I like the player a lot, but the Dallas, I don't know, man. It's just that team right. scares me now. I, I would not reach <laughs> for a player like Radulov like I would have in the past. That's a player to me that usually screams upside, but there's just not enough to go around there. It's just, it's just not lucrative enough. But I think when you mentioned Dallas, you know, I, I brought up the goaltenders a little bit earlier. We had a poll asking what is the best goalie tandem in the mm-hmm. league. Bishop and Hudobin were on there, obviously right up there with the best of them. I voted for Rask and Halak in the poll. The other choice was Flurry and Laner. Uh, but you could certainly make a case for Bishop and Hudobin. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you're you're out of left field on that one at all. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've been for the past two years when they're healthy, they're they've been right up there with any team in terms of team save percentage and Kadobin fills in admirably, whether it's a spot start or then, uh, you know, a couple of games here and there when Bishop deals with an injury Uh, back to Radulov. I was just looking at the uh, rankings, which we did, by the way, everybody should check it out. Uh, If you play fantasy NHL.com slash fantasy, we did the top 250. Now we did top hundred forwards. Then Robbie has his D ranks coming out tomorrow, Tuesday, and uh, yeah, Radulov's 125. So you can kind of get a sense of like all things considered. That's what we did with these rankings. Obviously, we don't know when the season's going to resume. If this regular season is going to happen, are we talking keeper leagues? Are we talking standard leagues? This is kind of just an all-encompassing list where we stand right now based on every single thing that we know available to us. Oh, and one of the stories, too, that came out uh, in this pause, I think it was the Tuka Rask potential retirement story mm-hmm. after next season, I believe. And I don't know, man, I felt a little sentimental reading that, honestly. I know I'm going off, off the rails here, but yeah. I just it just it's kind of like he's been around for a while. He's been in the league for a long time. But watching him in the playoffs just shut things down, <laughs> really rise up. And now he's one of the best fantasy goalies uh, in our rankings. I mean, that would be – you know, kind of a, a sad thing if that does indeed happen. Yeah, the Bruins uh, at the top of the league this year are going to have some decisions to make. They're going to have some dominoes fall around them whenever the season resumes, whenever the off season comes. Of course, uh, Tory Krug is a UFA after the season. Uh, you mentioned that about Tuka Rask. That's kind of hanging over their heads now by surprise. Uh, but he was drafted all the way back in, what, 2006? We just did mm-hmm. the redraft or 2005. 2005. Yeah, yeah, so 2005, I mean, that's uh, 15 years ago. So crazy stuff there. And then uh, Yaroslav Halak, who's been one of the most unheralded backups in the entire league, maybe the top of the list over the past two seasons, uh, goes into that goalie debate. And he's also a 2020 UFA. So this band is not going to be fully together come next season. So hopefully the season resumes for them and they can get a shot to uh, – make up for uh, lost time and make up for lost opportunities last year when they lost in the cup final. Now I wanted to get to best midseason pickup Pete, because these players mm-hmm. on the list, we had Kevin Fiala, Kaylor Yamamoto, 
and Zach Hyman. These are the guys that got you into the playoffs in fantasy or at least positioned you well to make a run here for yep. that. I, I've got to say Kevin Fiala, hands down, is the guy. You could make a case for the other ones, but the multi-point potential on a team that we really view it as having limited at best offense really stands out to me the most. Yeah, he's done the most with the least around him. I mean, you can look at how good Kyler Yamamoto has been at even strength. I think he's among the top 15 even strength point producers since he was recalled uh, from Bakersfield, where he was an all-star in the AHL. He's nearly a point-per-game player, 26 and 27 games, and he's plus 17 on the season. But keep in mind, he's been playing with Leon Dreisaitl. Meanwhile, um, you know, Kevin Fiala has been kind of a man on an island. Of course, Eric Stahl missed some time. He was playing a little bit with different players like Parisi and stuff, but he has had incomplete um, circumstances around him, and he has just taken that full next step in his career. Like Kevin Fiala is a top 100 overall player entering next season or whenever this thing resumes, if there's going to be a tail end of the season for fantasy playoffs. And that's like one of the only one of the guys that you look at the most differently uh, than you did even at the beginning of the season, early in the season. We weren't looking at Kevin Fiala like this up until maybe December or January, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And I just want to want to answer this question, piggybacking off that from Nick Stands Up on Twitter. NHL pause at season, how does this affect my fantasy hockey playoffs? Uh, well, the response from Yahoo directly was that all leagues have been paused. When they resume, the unfinished week will be included in the first right. week after the NHL restarts. So major implications for guys like Fiala and Hyman and Yamamoto, who were hot recently, there's your answer if things do pick back up. Yeah, and I know some leagues are different. Like a lot of the leagues I play in, um, if they're for uh, you know for any money, uh, you know for different sports, they they might reward the regular season and then also reward the playoffs. So of course, depending on what happens, you can break up you can break up the money however you see fit. I encourage everybody to just uh, talk closely with the commissioner of the league and make sure everybody's on the same page because of course. These are unprecedented times, and uh, nobody saw this coming. All the all the people who play fantasy basketball and you know different fantasy sports are dealing with the same exact thing. So it's something that we're going to have to just play by ear. Hopefully, we could finish part of the regular season. Uh, if it goes straight to the playoffs, uh, then it's on to playoff pools, and you'll have to resolve the regular season uh, leagues however you see fit. Right. And now I just one more thing that I wanted to bring up on my end here before we wrap up, Pete, mm-hmm. most underrated player in fantasy this <laughs> season. I, I my poll just finished up before we recorded. It, it was launched seven days ago. The choices <laughs> were Mike Hoffman from Florida, Thomas Sattar from Montreal and Braden Shen from St. Louis. Now, the poll winner was Braden Shen. It was close, though. He won <laughs> with a 32 percent vote, which I totally agree with. But man, Tatar really came into that conversation strong this season. Yeah, Tatar has been amazing, and I think another guy who uh, maybe could have been the other the other choice from the same team as Tatar is Jeff Petrie because that guy just continues to do it with or without Shea Weber. But yeah, Montreal, even though they've kind of been disappointing, they're not uh, projected to be a playoff team unless maybe uh, they let more teams in. But overall, Montreal has been a disappointment. But fantasy-wise, the picture looks a lot better in terms of number of players in the top 250, uh, you know, just value moving forward. And of course they hung on to Thomas Tatar, who's a 2021 UFA. So they trust that player a lot. He's going to be around for the foreseeable future. 
and he's a guy that you should target and look at differently for sure in fantasy drafts next season. Would you say he's their top ranked forward heading into next year, like bar none? Uh, it's it's tough. Either him or Gallagher. They're right near each other in the rankings. I think they're both like fringe top 100 overall players. Gallagher, I would probably lean on for more consistency and general category coverage. But then again, Gallagher always seems to miss time because of injuries. So Tatar has taken that step forward. And it's uh, it's anybody's guess right now. I think if you go Tatar and you you mention his consistency in terms of being uh, upper flight fantasy player this past season, I think uh, you could win that argument for sure. Gallagher's probably the easiest player in the NHL to make a projection <laughs> on preseason because he seems yep. to have the same stat line in every category every year. I would lean to Tar, though. The only reason I say that is just because of that untapped upside. It seems like he's getting better with age. He's kind of coming into that dual threat scorer role. And I don't know, yeah. Pete, I think Montreal's lines are pretty sneaky. I just, <laughs> with a fully healthy roster, I know, again, they don't jump out on paper, but with the addition of Nick Suzuki really stepping up as one of the better rookie forwards in the league this season, I would just kind of go with Thomas Tatar there and try and hit up on some more upside. That team rolls three strong lines uh, like few others in the league when they're all healthy. And remember, like, all these guys have missed time because of injury, like, across the board. Even Jonathan Druin's missed a good chunk of the season because of injury. So Montreal is a good team uh, to target uh, for underrated potential. Nobody's going to be taking anybody on Montreal uh, among the top 75 overall, maybe even including Shea Weber and Carey Price, which uh, you're used to seeing those guys that high, but uh, not so much these days. No, I'm with you, Pete. And then is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up in case this is our last show for a little bit? I mean, it's been really good to uh, be back on with you and the sense of normalcy here, right? Talking about some of these player debates and some of the things going on uh, storyline-wise before the pause in the season. Uh, I, I would just encourage everybody to keep chatting with us. And, you know, we hope to do some some more shows uh, in the near future. Of course, uh, I have a baby boy coming on uh, the next week or two. So uh, my wife is due. So we're really excited about that. And, uh, you know, whenever uh, whenever I get back on my feet after that, we're, uh, we're down for some fantasy talk, no? Definitely, Pete. I'm real excited for that, <laughs> too. So keep us all posted. And uh, I can't wait to hear more about that. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be big change and it's a it's kind of a scary time right now, but of course that'll be really uh positive news for for me and my family and all of us, I think. So, uh yeah, reminder to everybody, uh check out our coverage on nhl.com/fantasy. We got the season snapshots for each team where we got our MVPs, our big surprises, our unsung heroes, the updated rankings are coming. Uh, we're going to have some Keeper League coverage. We'll probably get your questions at some point for Keeper Leagues and maybe do a separate episode just on Keeper Leagues, which is something, right, Rob? We don't really always have the chance to do in the heat of the season with everything going on, but there's a lot of food for thought on the Keeper League front. I was just going to say Keeper Leagues is going to be a major focus for us in the next couple of weeks because we can kind of forecast, all right, let's look ahead to next season with these young guys some rookie guys in there too. Everything updated from this year, which, you know, let's just call a spade a spade here with Jack Hughes and Capo Caco not really returning fantasy value, you know, maybe where they're going to shake out on the landscape for next season. So definitely keep an eye out for those. And, and as always, if we did not get to your question or if you have more questions, hit us up 
on Twitter. I'm at NHL Reese and Pete is at NHL Jensen and we're both at NHL Fantasy. Oh, and one other thing, uh, Dave Satriano, goalie master, updated <laughs> me recently. He said every night he spends his time watching the Devils simulated games on NHL 20. <laughs> so if you were worried that Davey's not going to games, he is just from the comfort of his own home. Nice, nice. Yeah, miss seeing Davey, miss seeing you, Robbie. Miss seeing Bobby B, Bob Bender at Air Checked. Follow along with him. I mean, we're trying to stay busy here, trying to stay positive. There's so much going on. We we wish everybody well. We hope everybody's feeling well. Um, if you're not feeling good, stay home. You know, stay home. Just don't take any unnecessary risks. And we uh, we look forward to getting back to talking fantasy pucks and playoff pools if and when the time comes. It's been a blast doing it all season. And we'll uh, check back with you soon, right, Rob? Sounds good, Pete. Hope to see you guys all soon. So for Rob Reese, Pete Jensen, thanks so much for listening to the return of NHL Fantasy on Ice, and we'll talk to you again soon. Stay safe, everybody.